Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in Outshine. Bitcoins, we got them. Acquire, never sell. But catch us rolling deep like Adele. Bitcoin, blockchains, cryptocurrencies. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 155 of the Bitcoin Podcast. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. Host number three, Corey. Bracken. Hey, yo. Yep, yep. Marcello, what happened to the thing when you used to say, like, what, it's 155? That's 100 and that's, that's this many that's. You know, when you used to do it, like, when we had our 21st show, you would say, like, oh, we're old enough to drink. Or something well, like that. We have too many shows. We got, we got old and cranky, and we don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I think we're up there, man. We're 155, oldest man on the planet. Like, there's really nothing you can relate to. One, it's not one of those like large numbers that that's like you artificially made because you have like a bunch of three minute videos that you call an episode. We're on episode yeah. 4072. Yeah. Brought to you by yeah. today, Crazy. and we're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by today. Is that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just and we're done. First word that came to I, my head. That's, you know, a lot of people don't like the long three-hour episodes, but it's like I can listen to half the episode on my way to work and then the other half on my way back. They can suck like it. Fun. That's because we've never made a three-hour episode. They're really exaggerating and their butt hurt. Because well, I mean, the longest episode sure, we made whatever. is like an hour 20. Don't like it? Then go to a different podcast. <laughs> it's It's like it's... Like we don't, we can't cater to everyone. Ooh, ever. You start to sound like Roger Ver. No, it's. Did it's, you see we, him have that? We little, literally cannot cater to everyone. Like, why do we do this podcast? Because it's fun. We get to hang out. Yeah, you and go. And we get to talk about shit we like. There you go. Then cool. Then it, whatever Yo, we find fun and interesting, other people will too, but not everyone. You know what I found was fun and interesting? Roger Ver, this okay. week, and I watched a video of him. And I saw this video on, it was like, the headline said, Roger Ver has a freak out on Bitcoin Cash. And I was like, what? That's clickbait. So I'm you getting there. So you I clicked it. it hard. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so he didn't have a freak out. But one, he is trying to follow the like San Francisco investor. I'm going to get jacked and swole because dude is way too jacked. He looks like a super villain in his suit. That or he got it tailored terribly. But he's up on the stage. And the guy asks him a question. He's basically like, hey, Bitcoin Cash sucks. Don't you know that? And then he's like, oh, if you don't like Bitcoin Cash, don't use it. Just don't use it. And he said it like five, six times in a row. And I was like, all right, man, I think we get it. And then he went back to it. He was like, Bitcoin Cash offers all these things, uh, super fast confirmations, uh, um you know, the memory pool doesn't get clogged. It even offers uh, second layer solutions at a later date. And if you don't like it, don't use it. And I was like, dude, okay. That's kind of the beauty of all these yeah. things, right? It's like, that's, 
that's where it gets its value if for people that use it and if it's if it if it if it does provide utility people will use it if it doesn't people won't so you're incentivized to build something that provides utility otherwise people aren't going to use it and if you don't like it yeah. then don't use it it's 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 literally that simple that's why i don't like i don't have a big problem with bitcoin cash because they did like the, the whole they had a different ideology they wanted to do something different so they did something different i mean yeah they did it like i could have i maybe have some qualms with how they did it but at least they didn't just sit around and bitch about it forever that's the what goal's, I like the goal is not decentralization well it is it's just said, what is decentralization censorship resistance censorship resistance yeah, well, how do you get that? Decentralization is censorship resistance. That's what I'm thinking. That's, like, how do you get? It's a Roger Verism right there. How do you get censorship resistance? And that's assuming that's the goal. Like, is that the goal? It's one of the goals. Wait, it's not the goal for I everybody. Did I just bear out. I didn't bear no, out. No, you. No, you made sense. Roger Ver bared out. Exactly. Oh. Okay, I was about to say. I'd like to talk to Roger Ver again. I'd like to challenge him to a jiu-jitsu match. Ah, you would not do well in that. I just just punch him in the throat and Uh, then run away. You would not do well in that. Even if you tried to punch him, he could destroy you. Corey, when's your next belt upgrade? Where you at right now? (laughs) Really? Uh, I I haven't been to jiu-jitsu in like two, three weeks or so because I've been too busy with a new job and buying a house and this podcast. We've already proved that boxers are better than MMA fighters. Stop. The world Stop. saw that Stop. happen. We're not getting into that. He's trying to fight Canelo now. We're not getting into that. No, he's not trying to fight Canelo. He's trying to make $85 million. He's trying to fight his way to $85 million. Don't take the story away from him, Cello. Dude, Conor McGregor is smarter than all of us. There's no easy way out. That's what uh, fucking McGregor's listening to right now. Yeah. If they made like a Rocky movie with McGregor, it would just be him looking at his bank account the whole movie. <laughs> he's Dude, not overcoming would be, anything. Other than would there be montage music while he's looking at his bank account? No, he's not even in the gym trying hard. There's no montage. If I if I were making money like that, I'd be in the gym working on my uh, signature for all those checks I'm signing. Hey, um, what do you want to talk about? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We were going to talk about atomic swaps. Oh, so, hey, before we do topic switch, can I hit them with a the, with the little promo? Yeah, later. You got to work it in smoother than that. What was that? I'm rusty. Haven't had ads in a while. Golly. Hey, guys, can we stop for this advertisement? You got to. No, this isn't an advertisement. This is a opportunity for our listeners. Oh. Not, not Wait, showing a product. That makes it an advertisement, right? It's a Roger Ferris opportunity. <laughs> just, just go on with it. Okay. Well, look. Next week, the early bird pricing ends on the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Um, if you're unfamiliar with this conference, we're actually going to be there. It's in February in Dallas, and speakers include Tim Draper, Eric Voorhees, Charlie Schramm, and I think us. We just have to fill in the sheet, and Corey needs to figure out what he wants to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to talk. I'll too. give a talk. Okay, so uh, more than 30 other thought leaders, including us, and respected players, including us, uh, we're going to have a live booth there, podcasting, <laughs> and we're going to be selling our new book in 10 words or less, which is basically a, a compilation of our guests giving their answers, right or wrong, to our flagship question that we ask each and every week. So if you're interested in attending, uh, join the notification list over at the BitcoinSuperConference.com. 
slash discover dash war. Corey, can I, can you call me on stage while you're talking and then I can introduce our new ICO? No. Okay. Just asking. It's going to be called Decoin, by the way. And then when you ask people, you could say, give me the D. And they'd no. be like, well, that's a weird, that's very upfront and weird for you to ask me like that. You say, no, Decoin. There's a Decoin. No. Anyways, um, how the swaps? So, nuclear trading exists now in the form of <laughs> the form of atomic swaps. Now, I don't know why it's called atomic swaps, but I know what it does. It basically creates it turns the internet into an exchange. Beautiful. So, Charlie Lee as I also call him, Superman Litecoin Man. He, um... That's a trademark name, by the way, so I will see your ass, Charlie Lee. Try and take it. So Superman Litecoin Man, um... He did an atomic swap on the Litecoin blockchain earlier this week. It's like one Litecoin for 55 Vertcoin. If you don't know what a Vertcoin is, I actually mined it for a little bit. Many moons ago. Um... It is like an ASIC-resistant uh, script language token that, or altcoin that you can mine. Um, I think Vertcoin is going to be around for a while just because it's fun to mine. Very resistant to ASICs. Um, but, yeah, that's amazing, right? And then he did it again from Bitcoin to Litecoin. Like one Litecoin was like 0. 0.011 Bitcoin or something. Or wait, was it 11 Litecoin? It was, I don't know what it did. But there's an exchange rate, but it's peer-to-peer exchanging, and it's an instantaneous swap using binaries, and and I think that's cool. I think you just because it allows buzzwords. No, man, I was reading an article last night. The article said all these buzzwords. What, what do you mean using binaries? Like you open up, it said something about opening up a binary. You got one, you got some sign of action going on the Bitcoin blockchain, and action going on the Litecoin blockchain, and they said that's a binary. And I made a bunch of mental leaps. And it's like, oh, two, binary, got it. So I'm pretty sure that's uh, not technically sound nope. <laughs> to the level that you like, Corey. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, all you're doing basically is, is you've developed a protocol that allows you to basically lock coins away on one chamber and then automatically open up coins in a wallet on a different chain. You have to like first you have to have, you have to have accounts in both both chains. And if like both parties, like the buyer and the seller, you have buyer like seller is on one chain, buyer is on a different chain. So like in your in your example there, Litecoin and Vertcoin. Seller's like, "Hey man, I would like some Vertcoin. Let me send you some Litecoin." And they're like, okay. Like normally, if you want to do that, you got to sign up in an, on an exchange, send your money to that exchange. They hold on to it. Then you go to whatever the trading pair is, and then met, like, you know fill your order. Then you take your money off back into your wallet, whichever whatever wallet you end up with. This is like a automated way of doing that, without having to go through a trusted intermediary like a third party exchange and load your money on. So you just you basically. It's a protocol of locking away coins on one side and 
and then automatically releasing them on the other chain in a trustless oh, manner. So it's like a, it's like a three-way protocol. If you look at um, inter, the Vitalik did an inter, interoperability paper a while ago, long while ago, where he explains atomic swaps, the idea of atomic swaps, and the ways communication must exist in order to make them trustless in that paper really well. And it, that's basically the gist of it. You just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a trusted protocol so that if anyone backs out halfway through it, no funds are lost. You can't, like, you can't cheat one another at a protocol level. And you can exchange tokens across block. It's not doing anything across blockchains. You're never sending anything across it. It's just an agreement that says, all right, the moment I send funds to your wallet, you send the appropriate amount of funds on your on to my wallet on the other chain. So like mm, if you think about okay. like a communication protocol between two blockchains or sits on top of all the blockchains that people can use, like just a decentralized exchange, exactly what you would think of. You're just not using a party to do it. You're using yeah, some yeah. protocol to do it. Bad for business right. for Voorhees? What? Huh? Eric it's, Voorhees, isn't he... Yeah, sure. Doesn't. Eventually, that's that's going to replace something like Shapeshift. Eventually, but right now, Shapeshift is by far the easiest way to do a mm-hmm. basically a, a, a token swap using their service without having to to make an account. Pretty much, you don't have to make an account. Oh, that's what you said. What I just said. Um, but that's the whole. That's the that's the way. It's the reason for like why Lightning is so cool. Is that you can do these? You can you can build protocols that do these types of things. If all of the blockchains have some type of implementation of a like a like a second layer protocol that can do these things, that's what I mean. Like all of the all of the protocols that are possible of doing an atomic chain atomic swap need to have this functionality built into it. Otherwise, they can't participate. So you're going to have quite a bit of slow adoption until they can get up to speed on that type of thing. If Ethereum will have it soon with Raiden and its functionalities. Bitcoin, Litecoin, Vertcoin. I don't know if yeah. Bitcoin Cash can do it because they didn't implement SegWit. There a, is there a limit to what coins can be swapped? Is, that's what I just have said. To have the same... That's the limit. That's, that's, what? that's that protocol, that ability to do second layer solutions that enable atomic swaps like Lightning Network. Can you unlock a coin once you lock it away? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, you said you lock a coin. Well, you say that coin's going to be designated as 55 vert coin or whatever. You lock it away. But what if you want to like... Thinking like I was thinking of like side to... chains, right? I was like, if you do like, think about like a side chain, if you want to try and say like, if you if you would like to buy a coin or move money to a... That you, as, you as an individual want to move money to a side chain. So you're on the Bitcoin network. And mm-hmm. some side chain is, does some operation that you'd like to move some of your Bitcoin to. And use that money over there for a little while. Until you're done with it and you move it back. You lock you basically lock the money away. And what it would be the equivalent of a smart contract. And then when you do that, it automatically releases funds on that side chain that you can then use. That's the equivalent amount of whatever that Bitcoin is. And then when you're done, you then basically destroy that coin on the side chain and then unlock the equivalent amount of the Bitcoin that's left. 
you can use it back on the other chain. This is going to lead to the first decentralized exchange, man. Well, there's already decentralized. They're trying. They've been trying to build decentralized exchanges. This helps them do it in a better way. It shares. Like Dex. That's a decentralized. What's that called? called? Ether Delta is a decentralized. How do you know all this, Corey? I thought you were busy buying a house. Well, no more than I also like read every day. I I scour. I've been scouring the the (laughs) cryptocurrency online ecosystem every single day since we started this podcast. I've had nothing but time this week, and you still know more than me on current (laughs) events. You got to get on your read game. That's how I know how to misappropriately quote articles. Binaries, man. (laughs) Words sound sound technologically superior to what people understand. That's like – That's going to be my – That's the problem with advertising is that you can't just say shit because people will believe you. That's – that's if I give a talk at the super conference. That's what I'm gonna say. I'd like to talk about binaries. Yeah, until someone just fucking puts it right in your <laughs> face, and you're like, I can't, I can't explain that. And they're like, Well, then why am I listening to you? Like, that's like, what's the point of someone listening to you if you can't back you up? Come what here you and say? listen to me not talk professionally about binaries, sir. <laughs> that's what I have to say. <laughs> if you don't want to talk about binaries, we're gonna talk about trinaries. Then, hey, oh, talking about. Re, and then that's it. That's how the speech goes. No, I'll learn more about binaries next time I bring it up. Probably not though, because it just seems like. Well, at least like yeah. let's link the article that you're talking about so that the interested listener can see what the hell you're trying to say. I don't ever save these articles after I read them. I just read them and x them out. Oh. I used to be a member of this great platform where you could save articles on the internet and send them to people. Um, but I forgot it was called, and then I just stopped using it. Reddit? Uh, uh, Bookmarks? Oh, I guess you could do that with Reddit, yeah. What What did you say? Your faves? You could fave it? Yeah, but that's, I don't want to, I want a bloated fave folder. I like to keep my fave folder slim and lean. Things that really are my favorite. Or I don't, I don't just, excuse me? Huh? Hey, you guys caught up on Rick and Morty? Yep. What did you say just now? What? I'm not caught up on Rick and Morty, actually. Uh-oh. Anyways. Uh-oh. Anyway. Let's talk about more important things. Like Marvel's Capcom and Fendi. Did you guys get it? Or... Uh... I'm not 20 anymore, man. I can't, can't keep up. So here's the thing, right? So I have it, but I don't have it because it's in Iowa, and right now I'm in Georgia. So Who I cares? don't have it. Anybody playing this game? Well, I mean, that's all you needed to say is I'm, I'm not going to get the game. You don't have to shit on my console. parade. I don't have a console. I mean, damn, man. Just say I'm not gonna get the game. You just say I don't care about your fun, bitch. Yep. That's like I can't I can't bring myself to delete Petty off my friends list though, even though I know he'll never get back on. People have sent me pictures pictures of my sad Xbox avatar. The one that just sits there and is sad because it never plays anymore. 
It's like you're, when your friend dies and you don't want to delete them out of your phone. Like that. That's dark. Yeah, that it's real the, dark. It's really the only analogy I could think of. Sorry. <laughs> Jeez, golly. Sorry, listeners. We just we didn't mean to tap into the feels like that for you. It just happened. Let's get into the interview. Um, yeah. So Jimmy Song. Um, Chella, so, do you think? Yeah. Funny thing about this is he gave us some um, exclusive news about his Santa Monica programming seminar. But because the interview has been delayed, it's not exclusive anymore. And actually, there's only like two spots left. So you might want to jump in on that because it's not new information. <laughs> so go to programmingblockchain.com. Uh, Jimmy Song is a Bitcoin developer and entrepreneur, former VP, uh, Coindesk contributor, open source enthusiast, all around smart guy. Wait, Here did you tell us that that was time sensitive? No, he just said, hey, I got some exclusive information for you guys. And I was like, oh, sweet. But, sorry, we're not live. Oh, man. Sorry, Jimmy. But, hey, it looks like you still got it filled up. So, anyways, uh, here it is. Yeah, hey, guys. We got uh, Jimmy Song in the house, which is uh, it's a treat for me personally because I always like having like instructors on the show because by the time this this conversation's done, I'm always bound to learn something. And I'll be honest, sometimes after an interview, I don't necessarily learn anything new. So uh, this is a pretty cool episode for me. Uh, Bitcoin dev, entrepreneur, former VP. Uh, you got a question about Bitcoin Cash. Jimmy's probably your man. So long story short, he's very credible, and I'm very happy that you made time for us. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's it's a pleasure to be on your show. Cool. Uh, and I have to ask this. I don't want to waste any time, but you know we have to ask it. I'm sure you've answered it a million times, but just kind of tell us a little bit. You know why six years later, give or take, this crypto field is kind of something you're passionate about. Continue to be passionate about. Just a little backstory, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, no, I, I love talking about that. So you don't need to apologize at all. Uh, but yeah, I, I I love crypto. I love Bitcoin. I love uh, really sound money. I mean, when I, when I first got into it in 2011, it wasn't like um, the ability to send transactions very quickly that got me really excited. Um, it, it, it was the fact that there was a 21 million coin limit that got me excited. And that speaks to uh, Bitcoin's role as sound money. And the more I studied it and the more I thought about, uh, you know, the lack of sound money in, in society today and, you know, the lack of fiat being sound money. That that really got me excited and thinking about, okay, how will this change the behavior of everybody around me? And if you think about it, so, uh, the lack of sound money has been like this really big cancer in society. And uh, it's not obvious, but uh, my friend Safe Dean's book, like sort of, he, he's coming out with a book. I, I got to review it as like an early reviewer. And uh, it, it lines up all these things that the lack of sound money does. Um, you know, people complain about uh, other people being really shallow. Um, that's not necessarily because they're shallow. It's because the incentives are aligned so that you're, you're sort of forced to spend a lot of money very quickly. Um, when you have something like Bitcoin, I don't know about you guys, but my friends that have Bitcoin, they are all savers. And some of them weren't savers before. And 
the fact that they are saving and having like better habits and, you know, not like sort of being a debt slave and living paycheck to paycheck, that's a really good thing. And I think Bitcoin can sort of change society, even at like the very micro individual level um, that, you know, that in a way is not very obvious. And the technology behind it obviously makes that all possible. And uh, that to me is what drives me. That's what makes me want to sort of fill this gap of lack of developers and, you know, um, people that want to understand Bitcoin, but don't understand like the technical stuff. I try to fill that gap by sort of explaining a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, that's what drives me. I, I want um, society to get better. I really believe that Bitcoin is a driver for social good. That, that I guess, is perfect for the kind of questions that I like. To, like, you keep saying sound money and what... <laughs> Do you think Bitcoin, like why is Bitcoin sound money and why is other particular currencies necessarily not that? What is it about Bitcoin that makes it sound? Is it the scarcity? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I mean, uh, scarcity is a major part of it. Uh, But the lack of central control is the main thing. And gold sort of has similar properties, right? Like no one can create just more gold, uh, at least without like some enormous expenditure of money. Um, I I believe like... uh, Throughout history, if you go all the way back to like ancient Rome, the inflation of gold is almost always like one and a half to three percent. It's like remarkable how consistent that is. Um, and it doesn't uh, like throughout history as as you, um, you know, change with changes in technology and in, in mining and all that stuff. It's remarkable how little the inflation of gold has been. Whereas if you make like aluminum, your, um, you know, money tomorrow, it would increase by 50% because the capacity to mine aluminum, you know, it just hasn't been tapped nearly to the extent that gold has. Well, Bitcoin has this supply curve, uh, of, you know, and it ends at 21 million. That's that's very significant. Um, and that, that means that if you own a Bitcoin, because it's decentralized, no one can really take it away from you as long, I mean, assuming you can secure it properly, which is, I admit is not trivial, but it's a lot easier than, you know, like putting a gold bar in your backyard. You know, someone can take that away or, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, the scarcity um, is, is is the main thing. And the fact that no one can create more just by diktat or, you know, I mean, that's the original word, uh, meaning of the word fiat, right? Like it's it's sort of uh, somebody proclaiming that there will be more and that happening. Well, no, no one can do that with Bitcoin, whereas with U.S. dollars and all these other fiat currencies, well, the central bank can essentially print it. Um, I mean, we call it like the debt ceiling or whatever in the United States, but really that's just like, hey, we want to print more money. Let's raise the debt ceiling. That's that's really all they're doing. And uh, and the fact that a bunch of people in Washington can go and do that, um, that's that's uh, that may that means that it's not really sound money. Any they can print as much as they want and. There's a reason why the average lifespan of fiat money is like 23 years. That makes me immediately think about, like, what you're saying is beautiful, and I think that a lot of that stuff is 100% true of why this stuff is important. But on the same time, like, if you look at the different side of this, what Bitcoin Cash does was was basically print money. Like, they well, there's there's a kind of subtleties here. They created a new network that has an amount of utility associated with their coin. That is now kind of out of nowhere, but like someone could view it as like 
what's to stop a bunch of people from proliferating a bunch of networks that just creates value out of nowhere? Is it is it basically now we're we're stuck to eventually there's going to be a limited amount of attention or place or like infrastructure you can build on a certain network that makes it usable and everything else will go to zero? Or are we just going to have all of these different networks with different utilities that have different values? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that, that's kind of a common misperception that the the value was sort of created out of thin air. It's it's not necessarily like every altcoin, you know, every, you know, including Bitcoin Cash, uh, they had developers, right? Like they had people that had to set it up. They had people that were marketing it. I, I, obviously, um, you know, perhaps the value created isn't necessarily uh, proportional to the effort that went into creating it. Uh, but it wasn't created out of thin, thin air. Somebody had to mine that coin. Somebody had to, um, you know, create the code. Um, somebody had to do all these other things, which is why all coins have value, because somebody is putting in effort and things like that. Um, Bitcoin Cash in particular was interesting because it was a hard fork of Bitcoin. Uh, but really, it, it wasn't very different than an altcoin launch because it, you know, Bitcoin Cash code isn't compatible with the rest of the infrastructure that was built for Bitcoin. And that's why it has a lower value than Bitcoin does. Um, but that said, there, there's a reason why there was a you know, price rise as a result of this split. Part of it is that people felt like, oh, okay, well, the medium of exchange people go here and, you know, the store of value people go there. Uh, you know, people that wanted one thing went there and people wanted the, the other thing there. Um, that, that drove demand. A lot of exchanges listed it. I You have to remember that there's this enormous demand in society for asymmetrical bets. Um, this is why lotteries are popular, right? Like you, you, you want to be able to get a massive payoff for something. Um, uh, and that may be why a lot of these altcoins have a lot of value. Um, it's, it's not necessarily that, uh, you know, value is being created out of thin air. There's just this latent demand that, uh, that for asymmetric bets that isn't being fulfilled by almost anything else. I mean, the SEC sort of prevents uh, investment if you're not an, an accredited investor. So all these other people that want to put money into something uh, and get like an asymmetric payoff, they, they don't really have that many options. I mean, you have maybe the lottery and you have maybe a few stocks, penny stocks maybe, and then you have you have some altcoins and uh, things like that. And that's that's just kind of the sad reality. It can't last forever though. Um, and that that's where, you know, You'll you'll see uh, over the next I think fifteen to twenty years as more of these hard forks happen. Eventually, it'll level off and and at some point sort of go down. Uh, but in the meantime, it's very novel, it's new, and uh, that in of itself sort of causes a demand of itself. With all coins, though, there's a there's a huge opportunity for creators to become wealthy by exploiting the uninformed, and then then the community is kind of given two choices, you know, A or B. And then the result, the result is instant division. And then the market price will reflect that division. And I know you suggested that hard forks are inevitable because they're more attractive to those who would otherwise create altcoins. But I didn't know if you, maybe you could kind of expand on that. Sure. Uh, so altcoins have two major problems: um, distri uh, fair distribution and uh, getting listed on exchanges. And Fair distribution is a is a really hard problem, right? And uh, Bitcoin sort of solved that 
by sort of uh, very slowly ramping up. 2009, very few people know, knew about it. Even 2010, few people knew about it. And, you know, as it gained sort of um, mind share among, you know, the technocrati or whatever, um, you know, it slowly ramped up. And uh, it's not surprising that the early people that found out about it were all into sound money, right? Like um, Trace Mayer, for example, was really into gold. He got in at like 25 cents, right? Or at least that's when he first publicly did it, talked about it. Uh, so it, ha it had this like slow ramp up. Every other altcoin... Um, does not have that slow ramp up, right? It's it's sort of this, uh, you know, problem of well, how do we distribute this? How much is it worth? How do how do we figure this out? Um, and so uh, that that's a major problem. You know, Ripple tried to give away a lot of Ripples at the beginning. I don't I don't know if you guys remember in like 2013, but if you had a Bitcoin Talk account, and you know you uh, before a certain date, Ripple would just give you like 30,000 Ripple. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and that. And if you had like five accounts, you got like 150,000. Um, but I mean, and Stellar and Byteball are sort of trying to figure that out too. But fair distribution is a major problem because like you said, you can just like benefit the founders, but then like everyone's going to be skeptical of uh, of the altcoin and not buy it. So, you know, what's a fair distribution? Well, it turns out that, you know, giving it to current Bitcoin holders is a pretty fair way to do it. I mean, ideally you can like, distribute uh, some small amount to everybody in the world, but there's no real mechanism to do that. So, uh, you know, so in that way, it's very, very attractive. The other thing for an altcoin is getting listed on exchanges. As soon as you are listed on a major exchange, your price goes up because, um, you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, a shortcut. It's it's social proof, if you will, of, uh, of it being a legitimate coin. Uh, but by sort of hacking the fiduciary duty that uh, exchanges have, you can just fork Bitcoin and now you're, uh, you know, they're very, very close to listing it on the exchange anyway. If, uh, they could do a one-time payout or, you know, list it on the exchange. Most of them are just going to like sort of list it on the exchange because that's just more convenient. Um, and, you know, they get a little more business out of it. So, you know, same thing happened with Ethereum Classic, right? Like they, uh, um, a lot of exchanges listed, even though it's not like, like the best point for them to list just because it was convenient for them to do. So having a hard fork sort of uh, solves those two major problems for all coins, which is why I predicted uh, in my talk on Saturday that this uh, this is going to be a model going forward and we got to pre prepare as a community to deal with it. Yeah, you're, you're kind of starting to see like the fair distribution part. I, I wrote a bunch of articles, well, not a bunch, five or so early when ICOs were happening, these large-scale ICOs, to look at the distribution of the tokens throughout the mm -hmm. ICO. And you see the kind of ICOs change, the structure of them change to try and accommodate or like at least maybe either raise way more money or spread out the initial distribution to their, to their user base to do something that's quote-unquote fair. And my, like, mm -hmm. the attempt was to try and look at these things, and it's incredibly difficult to do a fair distribution of tokens that doesn't kind of automatically put a ton of power into a small number of people's hands, which, yeah, which gives you a lot of, kind of been, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, it just, it just gives you a lot of like issues and how you can vet whether or not the economics of this particular network or, or, or like platform are going to end up being good. And as it turns out, the incentive structure for the, like a blockchain network is almost the number one priority of it actually succeeding later on in the future. 
Yeah, I, I would say that's absolutely true. I, I think of the example of Namecoin, um, and that was one of the first altcoins that ever existed. And they wanted like a distributed DNS, essentially, um, mm -hmm. with dot bit addresses and things like that. Uh, what ha what ended up happening was that a small number of people bought up all these domains, uh, you know, and basically essentially squatted on them. And uh, and that made it much less useful. A lot of developers ended up leaving. And now it's like, you know, number 50 on the coin market cap charts. Um, there's there's utility to having a fair distribution. And I think, uh, you know, Vinny Lingham certainly recognized that with the civic token and he he tried his best to. Make uh, make it so that as many it got into as many people's hands as possible, um, and that speaks to sort of something else, which is that Bitcoin really thrives on the network effect, and that is the more people have it, and mo the more people sort of use it as a store of value, uh, the better it is for everybody else, right? Like uh, because of this scarcity, because of the twenty one million limit, the more people hold it as a store of value, and not just like one person like uh, Ripple does. Basically, they have like most of the ripples are with the Ripple Foundation or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a lot easier to sort of bring in new people and have them assured, okay, it's not centrally controlled. There's a distribution, right? Like it's not just one whale can dump on Ripple, right? And uh, and crash the price anytime. Uh, it's not the same with Bitcoin. Uh, the more distributed it, it is, the more people that are in it, the more valuable it, come, it becomes. And that's uh, that's a very good property to have aligned with that like how do you feel this is going to end up going because it seems as though the social incentive for owning bitcoin is to hold on to it and we're, and we're losing the transactional nature of the currency itself like it's no longer within my benefit to send bitcoin to somebody um because the, like the circulation keeps getting kind of drier and drier and drier the fees associated with sending money gets larger and larger and larger and so the usability the underlying i guess utility outside of store value diminishes mm -hmm. like what do, like, i know there's new technology coming down the pipeline that may alleviate some of that do you think mm -hmm. that's really going to change the kind of ideology behind the currency from hold 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 to actually use it see um i i'm not convinced that uh the bitcoin is that useful as a medium of exchange i i, I know it's like very sexy to sort of like send uh 20 bucks to some guy in a bar in africa who and you're buying him a drink or something like that that's kind of cool right like you you can buy you, you can pay for somebody's drink in a bar in africa you know that that's that that's that has sort of like a certain kind of mass appeal but the real value of Bitcoin is as a store of value, I think. Um, and medium of exchange, uh, you know, sort of use cases other than maybe like remittance or something like that. And, you know, cross-border transactions, I don't think are that compelling, right? Like, yeah, I mean, a lot of these merchants will start accepting Bitcoin and then a few months later realize like maybe they've done like $2,000 in sales in it. Like not worth it for them to keep up the infrastructure. So they just stop accepting Bitcoin. And why is that? Well, first of all, um, you know, it, credit cards are are superior in so many ways, right? Like you, you don't have to pay for 28 days. Um, you get consumer protection. You get points on your airline or, you know, cash back rewards or whatever it is. And you can dispute it if things go bad. Uh, whereas, you know, Bitcoin, well, you pay it and then, you know, it's gone. From a consumer perspective, it doesn't really make sense to use anything else. 
And the other thing that you need to think about is that, you know, good money drives out bad. If you have good money and bad money, you're going to always spend the bad money. If you're in, uh, you know, Venezuela right now and you have U.S. dollars and Venezuela boulevards, you're going to spend the Venezuelan boulevards way before you spend your U.S. dollars because the the boulevards are inflating, right? And it, it makes no sense to hold on to them. And it's, a, it's the same way with U.S. dollars and, you know, Bitcoin. You're going to want to spend your U.S. dollars first. And that's and as a as a as a medium of exchange, I mean, you can transfer value, obviously, um, but it's not in your interest to do so. I, I would argue that it was never in your interest to do so. Everything I bought with Bitcoin in the past, I, I've come to regret. I bought beef jerky back in 2013. <laughs> right. And I paid like 40 bucks for like eight packets of uh, really delicious beef jerky, honestly. But. That is, uh, you know, like I put it in Bitcoin today and it's like, wow, that was like $500. Like it, it, made no, it makes no sense to spend Bitcoin because it's, it's the sound money. You want to spend the non-sound money. So, I mean, yeah, there are sort of like Lightning Network payment channels and all these other things that are coming up and they, they may end up making the um, medium of exchange case better than it is now. But I think it's good enough for the store of value case. And I don't think it's ever going to be this like, uh, you know, I'm going to buy everything with Bitcoin. And I'm going to live on Bitcoin forever. I, I, I don't I just don't think that's a that's a position that Bitcoin needs, at least at, uh, for now or for the next 10 years. Oh, that, that makes perfect sense. There's there's uh, there is one thing that that's kind of in correlation to that. I know you're, you're short on time that I wanted to bring up is uh you know i always and i'm not just saying this because i know him but i always think Corey is a very valuable person in the space not because of what he knows but what he knows plus he also knows python and i know you're running a um uh, like a programming blockchain event that's like this really intense two-day thing that i just wanted you to have a chance to promote it because the 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 back-end concern is that there's a huge constraint on this ecosystem as a whole, because there's a lack of people that either know enough about Bitcoin and have the skills, or they're too entry level and they're not good enough. So there's this like there's a sweet spot of people that are good developers and are forward thinking enough to be in the space. And you're kind of finding those people and molding them. So I think it's very important to discuss. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, and this is something that I've come to realize more recently is that. Uh, there, there absolutely is a lack of developers, and that's sort of like constraining the growth of the Bitcoin ecosystem. But not only that, but the the Bitcoin, the developers in Bitcoin are the ones that give it a lot of value, that give it anti fragility, right? Like when you have something, uh, you know, like sort of a disordering, chaotic event, uh, the people that are fixing everything are the developers. And the more developers you have, the more anti-fragile, you know, uh, Bitcoin is. And I, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but if you look at coin market cap and like the top coins or whatever, um, it tends to the price or market cap tends to correlate pretty well with uh, the number of developers that are in that system. That's like a pretty decent metric to figure out. And the reason is because the developers make it a more secure coin, whatever, whichever coin it is. And Bitcoin obviously has the most developers, the most uh, people. Sorry about that. I'm, I, I, I get somewhere in the calls. No worries, uh, you're in demand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, and you know, 
developers are really what make it anti-fragile, make it a better store of value, make it a better uh, and more secure system. So as a result of that, um, you know, uh, when you have more developers, the price, I think, goes up. Right. Like when you have chaotic events and a lot of developers put a lot of resources into sort of defending against whatever attack it is, it becomes a better Bitcoin. And the more of these developers that you have in the ecosystem, the, the higher the price goes. And uh, and that's what I'm trying to do, uh, like sort of selfishly, right, like to sort of help a lot of these developers that are interested in getting into the Bitcoin ecosystem. And you know, train them up and and help them to understand everything, so they can be part of this. I, I call them like sort of the white blood cells of the Bitcoin ecosystem. You know, the ones that go around fixing stuff and making the whole system much stronger and more robust, and not just more robust, but anti-fragile, right? Like gaining from the disorder. Um, and you know, uh, the the next one's going to be in LA. It's a very intense two-day seminar. I, I showed it to a core developer. Uh, a couple of days ago, and he went, "Wow, I'm not sure if I if I know all this stuff. I I, I might have to take your class." Um, so it's it's pretty intense. I have like hex dumps uh, of uh, of a transaction, and I go through what everything is, and I make people you know construct transactions by hand. Um, you know, it's not it's not for the faint of heart, and that's why there's an application at the bottom. I want to make sure that you're qualified to do it. Uh, I don't want to teach just anybody. If I wanted to, I'm sure I could fill up, you know, a 300 person seminar and charge, uh, you know, whatever, and just teach whoever wants to. And it'd be mostly from like these like blockchain projects or something like that. Um, and it'd be filled with corporate types. I, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I'd rather train, you know, like 20 people like really, really well um, and, and, you know, like sort of set them up for success in the in the way that I can. Uh, the students that I taught last week, um, you know, they're in a Telegram group right now, uh, and I am trying to push them to like create something so that I can go and promote them and uh, and get them hired by these uh, Bitcoin companies and have them be a part of this ecosystem. Uh, I haven't announced this yet, but um, you, so this is kind of an exclusive to your show. Um, scaling Bitcoin is happening in early November, and as uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have a, the seminar in San Francisco, October 31st and November 1st. Venue is still to be decided. I haven't even updated the website yet, um, but it will. Uh, so I'm going to accept about 20 to 25 students. Uh, I'm not I'm not exactly sure. It depends on the number of people that apply and everything. Uh, but that's that's going to be a part of it. And uh, the hope is that you know, one of I, one of the organizers of uh, Scaling Bitcoin actually approached me about this, and there's uh, this other event that hasn't been announced that I won't steal his thunder from. But uh, but yeah, the, it, this is sort of a known thing in the Bitcoin ecosystem that we really need developers, and that's the thing that's constraining the growth of all these companies and the ecosystem itself. So, um, you know, I'm not the only one focused on this problem. Let's just say that. Well, I'll put everything in the show notes so people can. Uh... Can fill out their application and you know find that star. Great. Um, yeah, I, the hope is that we can we can really make this uh, make Bitcoin even better than it is now. We like that. Corey, you got anything to add, or you want to hit him with the ten questions, and uh, we won't no, keep them any longer than we need to. That was great. I, I can't I can't get behind enough trying to get more developers in the space to help build out all the things that need to be built out. And actually do the things that people want to do. So I agree. I have one word, one last question for you that we always 
ask everybody to get a kind of unique perspective of how you see the space and in 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Sound money. All right, there we go. I like it. it. (laughs) Perfect. We go full circle. Perfect sound money. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Jay. Well, I don't think anybody uh, more in the podcasting game appreciates or values time as much as we do, and we know that you have very little of it. So, again, thanks for uh, carving out some time in your day for us. Well, thank you, guys. And we're back. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Jimmy Song. I hope you got one of the last two remaining slots because there's only two left because that was time-sensitive material. I wonder if it's going to be gone by the time we actually air this episode. I bet you it'll be gone by the time we air this episode, which it, we're just going to make people upset because they're going to get excited and they're going to go to sign up <laughs> and the sign up is full. Well, if if that's the case, send Jimmy a message that we were late and he has more interest than what he can yeah, manage that's right now and he should continue doing what he's doing because it's worthwhile and useful and people need that. And, yeah. you know, we should um oh man i can't believe i just lost my train of thought you got to be in the santa monica area hope that narrows it down do you though oh and we should reiterate if somebody comes on our show and they have something time sensitive they should let us know because we don't do the show live even though cello said that we did it live for the first like 40 episodes yeah uh, <laughs> it did Coming at you live from the studio <laughs> Me yeah, Cora, I, still, I, like, I still say i bring guests into the studio Sounds do you uh like i remember like y'all ever listen to a fighter and the kid i think we used to talk about them quite a bit yeah what's fighter and the kid another podcast with uh brandon schaub and um brandon that a Callen. real name brandon count or brian callen yeah brandon schwab brendan brendan schaub he's brandon. an old ufc brandon. fighter retired ufc fighter sounds and like brian callen is a, like a comedian and it's hilarious high school bully but uh like their whole thing is like coming at you live from this. Like, we're not live, dude. Like, lie. Shut up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, well, shut up. We're not live. You can't say that. Live from the studio. <laughs> coming at you live. Cello. And uh, we got somebody calling into the show right now. I mean, Cora just be like, um, what? <laughs> this is hey, guys, we better throw it to the interview because he's outside the studio doors looking pretty impatient. Let's get him in. <laughs> We did actually call Burger King at one time. We need to do it again. I don't know if that we was We need legal. to do that experiment again. It's a very repeatable experiment. We not called it a Switzerland. Sure was, not Burger sure that King? was legal. No, you called like Colleen Burger King. They're like, what? No, we called two. Remember, we called the Burger King overseas that does take Bitcoin. And then we called the Burger King in Coppers Cove, Texas. And they were like, yeah, sure. We take Bitcoin. I was like, are you sure about that? And they're like, yeah, yeah. What is it? Like a card? I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. Boy. <laughs> they're just oh, pretending. Boy. Yeah, we take your coins. No, it wasn't what they said. He had no idea what Bitcoin was. And you're like, well, it's money, kind of. Like, yeah, we take money. <laughs> and then that was like, and you're like, okay, thanks. And then like, hung you're up. trying to on-ramp like, him during the lunch rush. It was the, the worst on-ramping that ever existed. <laughs> I was just trying to let him know it was money. I was trying to give him money. By yeah, the you way, you explained it like garbage. Like, it's like it's kind of <laughs> like money. Like, hey, it's the lunch rush. We're really slammed right now. We take money. Bye. <laughs> it's, look, one, if I'm managing a Burger King, what I mean, 
who's calling Burger King? That's what I want to know first. Is like who's got the psyche to call Burger King? Like no, hey, no I used, hey, I used to work at McDonald's. You still making burgers. I used to yeah, work at okay. McDonald's and the phone was off the hook, man. People would call Who's all the time. Who's calling fast food restaurants and what for? I'd love to know. They want to know um, if we're participating in certain promos, probably. Oh, okay. So it's like salespeople. No, it's just I like, wonder- hey, do you do you guys have like Szechuan sauce? No? Okay, well, I'm not coming. It's people that are too lazy to actually drive and find out. <laughs> That's a reasonable hey, thing to call hey, for. Is it McRib season yet? No, so yeah. it's not. All right, yeah, well, stuff like that. Coming. Anyways, we've gone on. We didn't even get on task at all. We just started on the tangent. So, Corey, you wanted to tell us the benefits of using the Raiden network over the Scorpion Sub Zero or Shang Tsung network, right? I, I did. Yeah, you said you wanted to talk about the Raiden network. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're doing an ICO. Which is garbage. Okay. Wait. Why? Why would? Why would? I mean, I guess that's a it's a legitimate way to raise money. I, I'm curious on how they're gonna do it. I'm starting to get so aggravated with this ICO about, shit. Man. That's the thing, though. Like, ICE, like we said this before, ICOs aren't inherently bad. The irrationality of the current ICO market is bad. So there has to be good projects within the market that are worthwhile doing. But like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer to it. I'm curious to see what the details of it will be. And I don't because like, it's not like they need funding to build this thing. Like you got to hire engineers and devs, especially if you want to try and build a second layer network to a multi-billion dollar anchor network, which is Ethereum seems to be moving towards. And people seem to think that the Ethereum Foundation sends these people money, which they don't. It's just like Blockstream is trying to like, develop second layer solutions. They're not funded by any Bitcoin foundation, really. Like there's no nothing there's nothing like that. And the Ethereum Foundation is the same thing. Like the Ethereum Foundation works on the Ethereum protocol. Raiden is a second layer solution that sits on top of the Ethereum protocol, which needs to be funded by something else. Even if it has developers that have worked on the Ethereum protocol, that doesn't mean it's going to be funded by the Ethereum Foundation. So, like, you need to understand that. So, like, they need to wait for you to make money. I imagine they can do traditional funding, but if they have a token, I don't know what the token's for because it's like a protocol. Exactly. That's what that's, I'm kind of curious about. That's the about. thing is that it's so transparently bullshit. I don't like, know. Like, do you, you don't know that. There's no details. It's just like, yeah, we're going to do one. Like, I haven't found any details. If you need to have a token to use the Raiden network, that's that's dumb as shit. I'm what? sorry, it's just dumb. Look, man, nobody wants to be carrying around this digital coin satchel of all these damn tokens they use. Like, there needs to start to be some synergy, and people need to stop building different platforms. Well, here's the like, thing. This is what this I was talking about. Like, we're getting all this this brain trust, but... At a certain point, decentralization kind of gets like moot. Like, what's the point of us having thousands of different projects? Like, why can't we just have some forerunners and people work on the protocol? Oh, those I, protocols. I will agree, right? Like, there needs to be like everyone right now, and I think this has to do with the nascency of the entire space. Like, because it's all so new, 
there is no standardized platform that everyone uses. And that's what everyone's trying to build right now. The closest things that's come to that so far is either Bitcoin or Ethereum. But Ethereum is, has, has, has a broader range of projects because it's easier to build more complicated things on top of Ethereum than it is on Bitcoin. So all the developers go to Ethereum and start building there. But all the platforms that are being built on Ethereum are then trying to take up the like subdomains of various use cases of Ethereum because Ethereum is so agnostic to a particular way of doing things. So people are trying to build platforms to make it easier to do specific things on top of Ethereum that everyone else builds on. But right now, we have this race to build the platform and nothing that's being built on top of it. And it's going to be a while until that starts to take place. And so you can't have mass adoption until people are actually using the platforms that are being created instead of trying to build their own platform. And we haven't even like decided on the foundational platform yet. We're still trying to figure out like people are trying to make Ethereum killers or replacements for Bitcoin or just all new, like all new blockchains for different for the same use cases we already have. If people keep doing that, then we never go up. We just go out and spread the communities really, 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 really thin. And the whole idea of a blockchain network is for a community of people to all speak the same language, aka be on the same blockchain, or at least be able to communicate with the tokens that are native to the blockchain. So you need interoperability if you have multiple blockchains or everyone on a single blockchain. What I think the overarching like problem, maybe theme in the whole community as a whole is like, it's too much pride. Like one or greed. Bitcoin was birthed out of some crazy ideas and that energy has led to something very amazing and fantastic. But that kind of energy is like, you could tell the kind of people that have that sort of thought pattern got some pride about them and i think like all these people making these new platforms on ethereum it's just like why why like just find the platform they're already doing the same thing why don't you figure out how to make like be a part of a team don't try to make your own thing and i think it's it kind of could go into the culture like silicon valley because i know they do like a lot of stuff in silicon valley where i'm always trying to make my own app i'm always trying to make my own thing and be the next I'm going to Uber board games or whatever the fuck those ideas are. But it just seems like it's too much pride. Like, to the point where everyone has to do their own thing, it's kind of stupid. Like, Ethereum's a great network. Build on top of it. Hack Ethereum. Don't go build your own platform to do something that, you know, just seems like a waste of time to me. It seems like a waste of energy. No, that's greed. I think that's greed. People are like, they want to be. It is greed. They want to be the central source where everyone goes and builds on top of them because it makes their community more valuable, which makes them much more, much more money. Or they can just take advantage of people saying, I don't know what's going to be it. I'm going to hedge my bet by throwing a bunch of money in this too, in hopes that something comes from it and hopes I can make the ridiculous gains that the early Ethereum people made. That's a big part of it is that all these people who've made money on Bitcoin and Ethereum have all this money to start throwing at other projects. And the people who, People want to take advantage of that. They want to. They want to say like, "Well, let's just make another one." People will throw money at it, and then we can just try to do that. And if it doesn't work, then we have all this money. Yeah, it's it's just it's stupid. Like a month ago, two months ago, I get really excited about Salt, 
you know, the collateral, you can collateralize your crypto to get cash to like buy houses and stuff like that. That's a great idea. And then less than three weeks later, there's like four other platforms that are doing the same thing. And I'm like, what the fuck, man, there's two. I don't know what's Coca-Cola and what's RC Cola. It's getting annoying, getting annoying. And nobody drinks RC Cola. I love RC Cola. Did you just say you love RC Cola? Yeah, I do. Hey, I actually have a Twitter account called RC Cola 20. Because well, RC Cola was taken. So, like I like <laughs> so I can have this conversation. So I can have this conversation. Are you squatting on Twitter names for, for like, for like ironic conversation purposes? The long con. <laughs> yes, it was the long con. And I, where's my phone? I, I should show you that. Jesus. Uh, I haven't tweeted for, from that account in a very long time. Whatever happened I to squat our, on Twitter names. our uh, ridiculous... Twitter name from that chick that I forgot her name of. Huh? You really not helping me out. Life Bluth Misters. Oh, Bluth Meowsters. Bluth Meowsters, which was Blythe Masters Cat. Yeah, Bluth Meowsters, which we just said we were going to start copying all of our tweets, but poorly. Somebody already did it. Yeah, there was already one. I think they only had one tweet that just said something like meow. And that was it. Yeah. Oh, good, good times. Um, let's plug our right, stuff guys, and get out of here. Let's, yeah, we still have an interview later on today. So let's not spread ourselves too thin. Why are you putting our business in the street? Because we're live in the studio, this brother. This is our business. <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> our business is to put our business in the street. That's very true. Okay, so um, first out, shout out to Zoe Saldana. There it um, is. We all love you here. And that's a fact. Um, you're the most amazing person on the planet, most likely. Better than even Michelle Obama. Uh, shout out to Viola Davis. Not on the same level as Zoe, but, you know, keep working, girl. Um, let's see. We got our blog. If you go to Medium, if, if you're not on Medium, you're basically not an adult. So I'm sorry if I offended you. But go to Medium, make an account. You, you can see writings from all kinds of people, savvy people, and read their articles. It's fun stuff. On medium.com slash the Bitcoin podcast, you can find our blog. Articles from Corey are on there. Articles from me. Ken writes some. Shello does not. He reads them, though. Um, what else do we do? The Bitcoin podcast.com, of course. Twitter at the BTC podcast. Our Slack. Go to the website, click on Slack, join the Slack team. We have crazy-ass good conversations in there. Like yesterday, there was this long conversation about like what it's going to look like when the banks try and fight back, when Bitcoin becomes too big. It was a great conversation. I really enjoyed that one. Thank you. Uh, who was having that conversation? Thank you guys for having that conversation. BTC minus uh, and someone else. Anyways, we love the conversation. We like conversation like that because it gets us stimulated. It gets us going. You guys got anything? You guys got Elise. any shout outs? Elias was doing that. Who? Elias. Oh, Elias. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah. Um, buy or sell, what the hell? They're going to have a new episode coming soon. Um, so JJ lives down in Florida. And obviously, you know, Florida got riggedy raped by Irma. So, um, hey, you gotta be sensitive ah, about that word. Shit. 
Florida got <laughs> demolished <laughs> by Hurricane Irma. So um, he's doing all good. His property's fine, but he's just now getting back into the swing of things, and he'll probably be releasing more regular videos. Of course, we hope you like the Ethereum podcast from Evan Vaness. He really missed an opportunity by not making it Evan Vaness since with Evan Vaness. Um, but, you know, not everyone walks through the door of opportunity when they see it. Um, what else do we got? Block channels should be having. Yeah, Block Channel's got a new episode coming up. A couple um, of episodes coming up. Got a couple new episodes. The most recent one is, uh, uh, what is it, the, the platform or like Airbnb? Yeah. Decentralized Airbnb. Um, I feel like we just interviewed Pally, which does that. But like I said, can't tell the difference between Cola and RC Cola nowadays. Um, what else, Cello? What else do we do? You want to plug the book or anything? Iterating. I mean, double plug, baby. Um, we got a book on, coming out. Buy that I'm shit. On page one. <laughs> Finish page one. We're gonna have yeah. 150 pages though. Ready. And this is volume one. You can see like the, it's going to be kind of cool to see like the, the movement of what people's answers look like throughout the 150 episodes. No doubt. Yeah. I'm going to have, I'm going to have the date underneath their quote. So you can be like, Oh, back in 2015, this is what people thought or to, you know, yeah. Play outro. I took it. There's this shit going around that my ether my ether wall saying, hey, the Metropolis hard fork was integrated into Ethereum mainnet. Because of the update, Ethereum split it twice. It split into two forks. We implemented a seamless procedure to get your balance back. All you gotta do is plug in your private key. I'm just like, oh my god. People falling for that? Yeah. People are probably falling for that. Oh, absolutely. We need to get a hacker uh show on our network all right good luck finding a hacker why not i mean no i'm saying you know how like the the police a white hat hacker yeah the police how they always have like ex-drug dealers as like drug enforcers because they know the 
Like if you look like yeah. watch like the end of Catch Me As You Can, the guy like he ends up being yeah working guy. for Tom Hanks. Frank Abernathy. I think he just like saying that guy's name. Just watch that movie, actually. That movie is always on television. I've been on a Leo kick, man, ever since he was announced as Joker. So I watched that in Shutter Island. He's going to fuck up his career with that move. Think about it. He's the only A-list actor who's not in comic book movies. It was only a matter of time. He's going to kill himself? He's not going to kill himself. He's going to kill his career, thinking that he can out-act Heath Ledger. I don't know. Heath Ledger destroyed that role. I think he's trying to. I think he's just trying to do better than Jared Leto. I think that's everyone's benchmark. <laughs> Jared Leto hit it all time. Jared Leto was worse than that dude from the horrible Batman show back in like the sixties. Tell me you love me, baby girl. I'm gonna wear a, a purple duster and have yats. Yes. All right, Corey, what's been on that beautiful brain of yours? What are we talking about today? Buying a fucking house? That's what's been on my brain. Let's talk no, about that. I'm not talking about real life shit. I'm talking about Bitcoin shit. Nothing. Let's talk about By real life. By the way, life. how's that going? How's that going? My offer got sent in today. Oh, which house? The big one or the small one? Smaller one. Bidding war. Yeah, I was just, I don't, I don't want to get into bidding war. Wait, so how, how big is the yard in the smaller house? Big enough for the dogs to run around and like play with the ball and all that shit. Oh man, congrats! Hope it goes through. <laughs> Telling me. House Why is don't cute. you like the place that you're in? I thought you liked the place that you're in. I do. It's oh, okay. Too small. Not enough. There's not enough yards for I can't play with the dogs. It's very quaint. It is. And dangerous. Well. Don't wear socks going down well, treacherous just, stairs. Look, at the end of the day, you've just got to agree a house with four sets of stairs is more dangerous than a house with zero sets of stairs. At the end of the day, you got to agree that you got to be careful when you're going downstairs. Regardless, I'm not blaming it on your house. I understand that I slipped up, literally. <laughs> I slipped down, actually. But I think at a like a 20-story building is more dangerous to be in than a one-story house because of the stairs. Sure. See? Algebra. I found the seller on Facebook, and they have a whole album dedicated to their Baltimore flip. What's the Baltimore flip? The house that we're trying to buy. You're trying to buy the house that an album is dedicated to? Yeah. I found the couple that are, that flipped the house, and they have an album on their Facebook that is dedicated to it. Like, look at our first like, Baltimore flip, and it shows like before and afters of all their renovations. Oh, a photo album! You should like the album. I thought about it. I'm tripping. I thought you were talking about like a like a like a vinyl or something. I was like, that's weird. People made us made an album flipping house. <laughs> that's. That's a strange couple. Yeah. They are dedicated to the game. Track one, living room. Living room or living room, you were pretty bare. But I made you better than bare. 
Tim Ferriss just asked, what's a great car for all your driving around Austin, Texas? The fucking Uber. Fucking Tesla. Well, I think what we could probably... I'm tired of talking about China. I'm really tired of talking about it. So I don't want to do it anymore. Um... Well, let's just start the show and be organic about it. No. I have a, I have a sponsor this episode. I'm excited. We do? Who's our sponsor? The Super Conference. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, that's right. The one we're going to go to? Yeah, the early bird special ends in a week. I got to hey, yeah, let people know. Podcast. That's them, right? Yep. And then Vinay was on Future Tech Podcast, too, right? So it was Shigala. Shigala just got done interviewing yeah, with them. That guy's fucking grinded. Yeah, he says he does two interviews a day. I want to. That's for his job. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, Where, are you available Wednesday? I don't know. Maybe. I don't have anything on my schedule right now. Busy day for us. That um, sounds like a no. <laughs> um, Wednesday. I don't have anything. Oh, five. Fuck. Well, that's probably all the shit. Yeah, man, you called me hater of the year when I was just trying to give real estate advice. Dude, I didn't, I mean, it was unsolicited. It seemed like you were hating on his shit. Just like when I got a Surface and you were like, here's a bunch of articles about why the Surface sucks. And I was like, what the fuck, man? You can't just Dude, be happy shit. about everything and not look at the <laughs> negatives, right? Like, it's just super optimism. I don't, I, I'm ignoring everything that's bad so that. Like, I don't do that either, but I'm just saying like. Chella's you like, hey, man, somebody. have you looked into that? There's, there's something you might want to see to make a better decision. Like, why would I wish ill on Corey and, and Aaron, dude? I'm nothing but happy for it's them. Just... But, when I, but when I look at the crime report, it said stabbing, theft, theft, stabbing, murder. I'm like, hey, Corey, did you look at that? <laughs> you, you sure you want to get into stabs and murders? Like, but I don't know. It just seemed like the timing was off. You're like, hey, look at this house I'm about to put an offer on. That house ain't that big. I was like, damn. If Corey bought the house, if he said, hey, guys, I just purchased this new house, then, yeah, absolutely, congratulations. But he didn't buy it yet. I appreciate it, Chella. It's very, yes, it is very, it's a very good thing to do. And it should be appreciative. It's very appreciative. Appreci- I'm not good with my words this morning. I know how you feel, dude. Like, hey, guys, I'm thinking about buying this brand new truck. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. The reviews haven't been too good. I know how that can, like, let the air out of your, your sales. Well, no. I'm just one of those people that, my loyalty to the, the brands that I buy is ridiculous. I actually recently read an article um, that black people have a brand problem. Like we have brand loyalty that doesn't make any rational sense. And I read that article and I was like, oh my God, yes, it's true. Like in Griffey Jr. Baseball and I have FUBU in high school and I didn't even know why. Did you and, almost buy a Chrysler 300C? Like I just rented a Chrysler 300C and I had options, but that's the one I chose. Black, black marketing. Apparently, I I know I now know somebody that knows the person selling this house. So fucking start doing your networking thing, bro. Stroking oh, that it. beard. Tell start stroking sells, that man. beard and say, hey, I'm trying to buy your fucking house. Look at my beard strokes. Look at my beard stroke. That could be here. That could be a hook for you, Corey, if you ever wanted to be a hip hop artist. Yep. 
I need some water. I have a fucking headache. I'll be right back. We've been recording this whole time, by the way. Nice. <laughs> I want to use some of this shit. Yeah, it's going to be some good stuff. People really love the end of the... We used to put it at the front of the episode. Now you put it in the back and people like it. I think there's maybe 10 people that listen to it. I don't know. Some guy was like, you haven't shouted out Zoe Saldana in a while. Whoa. People really pay attention to things. That's Wayne. Me and him are talking later on On Rampin' with D. But it's going to be a special Purple Band episode. And he's fucking wicked smart. So I have this thing where some days I want to be smart. And other days I just want to chill. I think it's called laziness. Yeah. I swear to God, if you sleep in on Wednesday... Flip my desk over. Bro, I'm not sleeping in on Wednesday. I haven't Good. slept in in weeks. This yeah. is for Jimmy Sung. That's 30-minute interview. Man, Dude, I was listening time. to that Foresta interview. Bro, you were like flirting with her at the end, making her laugh. Talking you about damn New York right I was. You damn right I was. <laughs> she was giggling like a little Indian schoolgirl, man. Yeah, man. So you, I'm trying to lay it on thick. If I ever see her in real life, bro, I'm going to ask to see what she looks like without the headscarf. Damn, yeah, I'm sorry. What'd you say? <laughs> What'd you say, Chell? Corey? That's a weird thing to say. No, it's not, man. Look, girl, I want to see your hair, girl. I want to see, see what you look hair. like underneath all of that fabric. Ooh, I'm going to lay in your hair. Yeah, like, <laughs> hey, I just want to see what it looks like when the sun is gleaming off your hair, girl. I don't get I'm to see that when you're wearing a headscarf. Touch my booty. Yeah. I want to lay on your stomach, girl. Well, girl, I'm going to lay in your hair. Ice cold. What I'm saying is like Afghani refugees don't, they're not all that cool. Pretty cool. What? You want to hear the worst mistake in the world is reciting the lyrics to Andre 3000's spread to a girl, which I have done. Why? Gee, you do the weirdest, like creepiest shit. Yeah, but that's, it's only creepy if the girl's not into you. There's a fine line between like romantic and creepy. That's for sure. That's very true. It's, it's only it's only creepy if the girl's not into you. Now, if it works, then it's you taking a trip down Wonder Lane for the entire night into the morning. But if it doesn't work, then you just become that guy that did that weird, creepy shit. Yep, I'm willing to take those risks. I've 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 seen it in action. I've seen you take those risks. I take those risks. Damn it! Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um. That's not a weird thing. Like, hey, Fresh, I want to see what you look like without the headscarf. Isn't that like sacrilegious? Maybe. It ain't my religion. I'm the opposite. I would say leave it on. Was you going to do some kinky shit? The yeah. headscarf? Totally porns like that. Just... Just totally porns like that. And you leave <laughs> it on. Do the opposite. Leave it on. Is that, is that how you'd say to, on. to leave it on with a Boston accent? Yeah. All right, we'll get ready. We'll get ready for bed. I'll see you later. Leave it on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. At some point, we need to uh, record an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Start talking about Bitcoin. I know what I wanted to talk about. Atomic swaps. Talk about that sure. last episode. Oh, you touched yeah, on it. We just touched on it. And then, the, and then the people were like, we want more. We want more. So, Corey, you're familiar, right? Like, now yep. Yep. he... Okay, good. So, atomic swaps. Um, 
let's try and say like Bitcoin's in Bitcoin centered this week. Um, we don't want to talk about Jamie Dimon. Uh, I might say Jamie Dimon is bitch made. Hashtag. Uh, hashtag Jamie Dimon is bitch made. Um, Look, check out Ethereum real quick. See Raiden, the uh, Lightning Network um, on Ethereum is doing an ICO. Yeah, and wasn't Vitalik upset about that? A lot of people are upset about it. All right, let's, uh... let's talk about that too. Okay, Raiden, Atomic Swaps. In fact, those will be the two things that we discuss. And the whole first part of the show will be Atomic Swaps, and then we're going to Raiden Network. All right, you ready? In 25 seconds, because I need a big, long block, because we've been bullshitting a lot. 